1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Best in Leeds podcast. I'm your host Craig and sat across from me is Sam. How are you doing Sam?
0: I'm good, thank you. There's
1: another big edition for you today. We've got Narcos, the Pablo Escobar well, story I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, crime drama, Netflix smash hit, proper binge telling.
1: Real life history. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm a bit mad. Um, yeah, so the event coming to Leeds if you are a fan of Narcos and you love it you'll definitely not want to miss this
1: yeah so we've got that we're going to chat with some of the guys who bring their tour to the O2 um, next week and then also we have got Blossoms who came to Leeds after releasing their latest album Cool Like You and also quite a nice few bits and pieces on the Leeds food scene at the moment we've got Leeds Indie Food Preview that's the big food festival taking first across the city and also I chatted to the team behind the new Foundry restaurant I guess where to start there's a lot there
0: there is a lot. <laughs> should, we go, should
1: we go straight in with Narcos?
0: Yeah, let's get the big one out of the way, definitely. I mean, you don't get much bigger than Pablo Escobar either. You don't. Um. So, to, sort of ahead of the interview, which I know you've got, so do you want to explain a little bit about what the event is that's coming yeah, to? Yeah, basically,
1: so two of the officers who were involved in bringing down the very well-known and infamous uh, drug baron Pablo Escobar, um, Javier Penner and Steve Murphy... They're coming to the um, Leeds O2 Academy on Friday, May 11th. They're going to... It's going to be basically... There's a few of these things that have gone around now after, like, Narcos and uh, mm-hmm. making, the, making the Murderer. Yeah. There's been a lot of these events now on the back of it where the coppers involved... I don't know if they like what you call coppers or not, but the, <laughs> the officers involved and the people behind the story have been coming around doing tours. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the two guys who were involved in bringing Escobar down, they're coming to the, the Leeds O2. And it's basically going to be a little bit... Meat on the bones, I guess, to the people that might watch the TV series, and and, you know, that sort of split between faction, I guess, yeah, a bit more maybe fact to it than this, but yeah, um, obviously, really interesting one. I mean, Sam, obviously, you've got some facts as well about it.
0: I have, I decided to look because it's such an interesting case. I think that's why the hit the series on Netflix was so interesting because you, it's one of those things where okay, they take some creative license, but you do think, how on earth is this real life? Mm. How did this actually happen? So, in case. You're not as clued up on your cocaine drug lords as you want to be. Uh, we've got some fun facts. We've got Pablo Escobar for you. Um, so Pablo Escobar, known as El Patron, um, in his heyday made $420 million a week from cocaine. That's not bad though, is it? No, it works out as roughly $22 billion a year, which meant he made the Forbes list of international billionaires for seven years in a row, between 87 and 93. So it just goes to show, even if your wealth has come from something absolutely despicable. Forbes will still be like, fair play, you're yeah. a billionaire.
1: Yeah, there's a few people on that list as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. So um, by the end of the 1980s, he was supplying 80% of the world's coke, which meant that of Americans uh, doing the drug, uh, four out of five lines would have come from Pablo Escobar. <laughs> um, he used to import 15 tonnes of the stuff into the US every day. Um, And then when you look at it, it's the money that's the mad thing. Mm. Um, So of his vast fortune, this 22 billion a year, every year, 10% of it was written off solely because it would get eaten by rats or it would become water damaged or he'd simply lose it. He used to hide money in the walls of his cartel's homes because he couldn't launder it fast enough and so he had to write off a certain amount of his income every year. Just because yeah, the rats ate it.
1: That's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And imagine being rich enough that losing ten percent of that exactly. you're like, well, well
1: what's what's the matter? It Fine, yeah. rat the, insurance. The rats have got some feed. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um and another interesting thing that I thought was quite funny was that he expends two and a half thousand dollars on rubber bands every month. Obviously, clearly the, something you very much need.
1: For the wants of cash, maybe? Presumably,
0: or? yeah. So, yeah, two and a half grand on rubber bands every month just to keep track of his fortune hidden in walls everywhere.
1: It, it was an interesting one in the chat with Steve as well because, as we've had the fun facts there, it was it was a strange one because, obviously, people that watch the series, there is probably a bit of fun element to it at times. Oh, though.
0: definitely. I, it's like the anti-hero, isn't it? It's like Tony Soprano, absolutely terrible human being, but you
1: loved but, him because yes.
0: you yeah when you get the insight and you realise everyone's human you kind of go oh but you know he was charming (laughs) and that
1: that was the flip side a little bit with being to Steve obviously he was an officer very much hell bent on bringing him down yeah he's the good guy yeah exactly and it was a bit strange as well from the point of view that I was chatting to him about this real life thing and it was obviously when he was doing it at the time he never would have thought 10, 15, 20 years later whatever it is that he would be effectively his, his him as a person would be a character in a TV show about yeah. this thing that was real it's, yeah. it's very odd
0: no definitely I think that's why it's so interesting to get the insight from the officers involved um, who literally were there who fought this battle with the cartels because the thing is as well it's not it's not as you know Netflix can make it look glamorous but people died and some of his he mentions you know the flashbacks mm. that from colleagues who died as you'll hear in the interview in a minute it was while it can be fun to be like, Oh look, you know, he's this big drug lord, isn't it funny? And and like they say with the the facts and stuff, the whole thing's so surreal, but for the law enforcement fighting it and trying to bring it down and trying to stop the misery that can come from that does come from drug trades. Exactly. It just it's sobering, I think, to hear that side of it.
1: Yeah, it is. And I guess we should probably move to Steve now and see what he's got to say, but it's I, I rang him earlier this week in america and he was, he was such a nice guy and he was so sort of welcoming and he, he's open just to chatting about i guess and I, I think he's just a bit he's just a bit taken aback by he's now sort of famous yeah. i guess but no, anyway yeah but anyway listen to what he's got to say i mean it's, it's really interesting
2: towards the end of our careers we had a couple of producers contact us uh, and we talked to them but they had personal agendas that they wanted to develop in their story mm. And one of them was political, and I'm, not, I'm still not sure what the other one was, but that's not what we were interested in at all. We turned them down. And at that point, you know what, and I said, nobody's really interested in this story. Let's just forget this, you know. And so we went on with our careers. And then in, in 2013 is when Eric Newman, who is the original creator of Narcos, that's when well, we got a phone call
1: from him. And that's how it all came about. As you said, the rest is history to a really degree. Like you say, we're at this stage now, and it, it must be quite a bizarre feeling, but you, mu- you must really enjoy the interest that the public seems to have in this story.
2: We get to meet so many nice people. Mm. So we've been you know, we've been to most continents in the world now. Not all, but most... Uh, we actually got to go to Australia and New Zealand last year, and we were in Sydney. We got to speak at the Sydney Opera House, oh, and it wow. was actually a sellout out crowd. That is like, you know, for, for a small town country
1: boy like us, that's like a dream come true. Yeah, exactly. And as I say, I, mean, I know I've mentioned it before, but I mean, something you would never, ever expect it, I guess. And looking back at that time now, I mean, do you sort of pinch yourself and sort of understand how big it was and how big it was at the time and how big it became, I guess? Well, in reality,
2: you know, we knew it was a really big case back then. I mean, it was it was Pablo Escobar. He was the leading cocaine producer in the world. Mm. He, he created a business model that the world had never seen when it came to drug trafficking. So we knew it was a big case. But honestly, when the case was over, when he was dead, you know, we had a lot of loose ends to tie up, uh, mostly administrative things. But uh, when that was all over, we moved on to the next case. Yes, indeed. So, (laughs) you know, as as this thing has, has gained popularity, that's why we never thought anybody would be interested in this. It happened so long ago. You know and to us yes it was a big case but it wasn't that big a deal mm. i mean the danger was there and and you know i mean we didn't get to take out a whole entire international cocaine organization the biggest that they would been but and i think most police officers would tell you the exact same thing you move on to the next case you still got jo- you still got a job to
1: do yeah exactly and and, and steve how long were you actually on the sfr case for
2: um well, in Colombia, I, I was there for three years. But this is one point I like to really make, is that Javier was there for six years. Mm. So he was already in country for three years before I ever got there. And then, if you've seen season three of Narco, you see his character come back against the Cali cartel, that's absolutely the truth. He went back and did another two years in the late 1990s when they took
1: out the Cali cartel. Wow. I guess people are wondering how close the TV show is to actually reality. I mean, you can tell us. How how, how near was it? Well, I won't tell you exactly, because if you come to our show, we will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> but, that's fair enough. I'm trying
2: to tease everybody to come and see us. <laughs> um, but I will say that the... We told them all the true stories. Mm. Um, we, the chronology, they got that exactly right in the series. You know that that is accurate. That's one hundred percent accurate. But our contracts allow Netflix to employ what they call literary licensing. Mm. And then basically, it says they can do whatever they want to do with the story. We we get no say so. So a lot of it is true. A lot of it is kind of true. But a lot of it is straight out of Hollywood as well. <laughs>
1: Um, but Steve as well, I mean, I guess like you say, the Hol- the Hollywood angle to it, I guess, but the reality for you as well, I mean, at the time, I mean, what was your, your life like? What, what was your family life like? I mean, it must have been everywhere, I guess. Yeah, it, so
2: I had two sons from a prior marriage. Excuse me, they stayed home in the United States with their mom. Mm. And Connie and I, who, you know, we're coming up on our 34th anniversary here in a couple of weeks. In fact, I'll be in England the morning of our 34th anniversary. She'll be in the United States. So, <laughs> <laughs> Um, But uh, she is every bit as adventurous as I was. Mm. You know, we, we were a lot younger back then. Um, when we moved to Miami, you know, Miami in the 1980s as a DEA agent, she's a registered nurse. It was a pretty exciting time. And so we had been there for four years and she came to me one day and she's like, wow, you know, this has been exciting. So what's the next most exciting thing we're going to do? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, we can always transfer to Columbia. Now that one she had to think about for a while. I but, can imagine. Know, eventually... <laughs> She came back she's like, you still want to go to Columbia? I said, yep. She said, if we're gonna do it, let's do it while we're young. So we applied and lo and behold, we ended up in Columbia.
1: The show and the tour, obviously, in the over in the UK. I mean, it's going to be one for fans of the show. And obviously, I think just people interested in this is obviously a massive case at the time. Give us a little flavor of what we can expect. Oh, that, see, so a lot of people
2: bill us as a lecture. And, man, when I think of lecture, I think of my college classes and being bored to death and you know, struggling <laughs> to stay wait. So we, we try not to call it a lecture, although I guess it is. But what we're going to do is we're going to take you inside the world of Pablo Escobar. We're going to tell you how bad he is, how bad the violence really is. Is the is the violence as bad as what you saw in Narcos? And here's a spoiler alert: it's a whole lot worse. Yes,
1: yeah, so that was Steve Murphy, the real life police officer detective who helped bring down pablo escobar i mean wow um yeah so steve and his um colleague Yave pena they will be coming to the leeds o2 academy on friday may 11th uh, the event kicks off at 7 pm and if you want to get tickets go over to the o2 academy's website so moving onwards from that we're now going to go talk a bit about food the food scene in leeds so leeds indie food's coming up the a big two-week festival all about food and drink in the city it's um, have you been before Sam, it's a big big event yeah
0: well the events are absolutely everywhere so I think sometimes people go to events that they see advertised and don't realise it's part of the wider festival almost yes. you know what I mean that's how far it reaches Um, but yeah Leeds independent food scene is one of the things people love most about the city mm. and it's so nice that You get these unique experiences um, and collabs that come out of the the festival as well. So, yeah, it's an exciting event.
1: And Simon Fogel, the director, he came in upstairs to come and speak to us about it. We're actually based in the same um, building, weirdly.
0: Makes it handy, yeah. (laughs) Makes it really handy for
1: interviews, (laughs) yeah. It's like, do I come to you, do you come to us? But anyway, we we eventually got over that one. And then Simon came up to speak to us and sort of talked us through what's planned for this year's event. And it was nice as well because he, he went through what's obviously coming up and it's a really exciting time but you also talked about the food scene in Leeds you are saying there a little bit you know the ups and downs of it a little bit and it's quite an intriguing chat really
3: so for me this year i've taken the festival on myself so we did a, a quick survey to uh, just via social media for a week and i was like what do actually people want um f- from from the Leeds Indie food and a lot of people weirdly said more street food more fine dining events which mm. is in my head we had enough of those because <laughs> there's only so much street food event you can go to so literally we listen to it and we've got <laughs> at the opening weekend we've got four different very different street food events. So you've got, you know, Belgrave Feast, you've got School Diner, which is in Chapel Alton, taking over the school. Mm. Um, you've got Eat North coming back, which is our event at North Bruco. And you've got Canal Mills, you've got a beer festival and a street food festival. So there's a lot like the opening weekend is a bit ridiculous mm. in that in that sense. Um, you know, there's something for everyone in the you know, different target markets of so beer crowd, family crowd. Um, you know, student crowds, stuff like that. Um, there's a couple of good collaborations that we've managed to to get, so Prashad, which is the famous um, kind of Leeds-Bradford border um, Indian food place that's doing a collaboration with Bundabust and Ox Club. So that's kind of three award-winning kitchens mm. coming together for the first time ever. You know, there's like two Michelin-recommended and a Michelin plate, so it's like really fine dining. There's only a couple of tickets left for that one, like at 8.30 sitting, so I'm quite excited about that, managed to bring that together with the help of all them guys. And then a couple of events from last year, which I was like, were my favourite events, and I was like, please, please, please come back and do an event, so it's called hashtag find the forest. So last year it was, no one really knew what to expect, and he's literally, you got to find the forest, so you're given like a postcode, mm. and you, you kind of go through the woods, it's a secret location, so you get emailed it the day before uh, and you kind of go into this forest and you have this beautiful dining experience with with people and open fire cooking and stuff like that right it's not far from the city center to be honest and it's like wow i'm like in a forest eating amazing um, uh, food with a, a real of different people. experience and yes so i guess yeah for me it's more about experiences and you know it, it, this is the fourth year and it's kind of it's quite exciting to see what people can come up with and mm-hmm. you know like the Indies themselves, and it's about empowering them as much as anything. So, like, yeah, we want to support the Indies as much as possible. So we have the um, passport scheme, which is um, the only the only way of us bringing in some money. But you know, this year we're putting all the money we make off the passport into free events for passport holders. Mm. So these are the events that we're going to announce just before the festival. So there's like learning skills. So there's like knife, you know, how to chop stuff. <laughs> so it's silly little things like that, which We've got a company in Nottingham called Block Knives who are coming up and showing people uh the best knife practice i guess and then you've got um like gin tasting and cocktail making like classes and stuff like that you know all small number events which you know you buy a passport for ten pound you get discounts throughout the festival at literally every indie' the you know the ones that we can get to do it you get cheaper tickets and it's like i don't know you'd, you'd save thousands of pounds if you bought. £10 passport but also you're giving money to Action Against Hunger as a charity and you know, it's kind of a fun little thing that we're trying to develop into like, not a membership club you know you see it like the Hepworth in Wakefield when like mm. you have these really good membership schemes it's kind of trying to develop it more like that so we're a part of this community
1: and, and I was going to mention you said the word community there, I guess that's the whole idea with the festival isn't it, it's sort of maybe raising the name of certain businesses but also bringing the public in there and obviously coming together as one a little bit
3: yeah, I think when we initially started the festival four years ago, it was it had that community element because indies always get left out. They feel a bit left out with like you know um, the council, certain things, and obviously they don't have marketing spend, so they always feel a little bit left out. So we created this festival to you know the events are in their their spaces, mm. not in a big space. So we kind of I think as the festival grew and grew, we kind of lost that a little bit. So this year I kind of tried to make it. You know, it's about them ultimately, not about like, you know, me dictating <laughs> anything. It's like really good events, check out as many indies as we because you know, we've lost a couple of indies recently with closures of like ham friends and tall boys to name it You know, we need those, those are characteristics of Leeds really. Well, I was gonna mention as well, you
1: obviously come on some of the closures. How would you define the food scene in the city in general at the minute? Obviously there's been quite a few closures, there's been a few a few no opens as well. how's how it looking from your point of view?
3: I think it's interesting times, like last year for me, I think like, opens, there wasn't that many big indie openings, mm. there's lots of, I think we, I can't remember how, like I'm looking at the stats and I've forgotten how many coffee shops we had open, mm. and it's, it's a bit ridiculous, like we have lots of good coffee shops, I think on coffee scene where we're flying, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're all, you know, to a good standard, and um, what, what I miss, I always keep saying everyone laughs, so I won't. Uh, ramen places and more vegan Mm. only restaurants I know there's a lot of you know vegan's a big topic at the moment I think we're going to get a lot of vegan restaurants coming so when you go to like London Berlin wherever you know the the cool spots every street there's like a ramen place a vegan place a burger place next to each other and it's just like they're all full and it's kind of getting to that point I think through the festivals fault maybe I don't know we created such a big buzz over the last four years that people want to come and open their you know their mainstream restaurants mm-hmm. in Leeds um, is that partly our fault it probably is we you know, shout about Leeds being a great food city which is one of the you know on the mission statement we want people to talk about when you think of Leeds you think oh that great independent food scene so people are kind of coming to that coming to Leeds and opening that necessarily aren't Indies and sometimes you just get awashed Think.
1: And um obviously, with the festival going forward, how do you see it for the years to come? what's is the plan in place looking forward?
3: So I think when we started Eat North last year it was about keeping you know keeping the name out keeping street food alive throughout the summer, so it's mm. the, you know Leeds is only a weekly uh, street food event you know we have a really good one at Belgrave Feast, and Canal mills have a, a monthly Offering uh, Belgrave I've actually gone every two weeks now because there's that much demand for it. So you know, we start back on the April 28th at North Brewing Co. Um, you know, five, six food vendors different every week depending on what's going on mm. in the city in general. Um, it's having that connection to the city and weekly till the end of August. Also, we yeah we we constantly get asked as the the festival to book food for other places. So there'll be a couple of events that we're going to announce. Just trying to get the lead's name in other places, basically.
1: And Sam, I'm always intrigued as well with, when I speak to people who organise events and festivals. Do you get a chance to enjoy it when it's on, or are you more just like running around? How, yeah. how is it for you?
3: I think everyone's like, recently, because I work on a couple of other festivals, and they're like, oh, Indie Foods now, you just go and eat for two and a half weeks. And technically, I do have to eat some food, but um, I'd have to. A lot of customer queries that come in through Twitter, through email. Ven venues, there's like over a hundred venues. That's mm. a lot of people to talk to. Yeah, make sure that their, you know, their staff uh, know that the passport discount is displayed, and you know, pe- you maximising that. Mm. So there's lots of lots of elements to the festival, Um but yeah, I do go to. I don't have a day off. I have to go to a lot of events, and sometimes there's like. I think it's the 18th of May where there's like nine events that uh, it's actually impossible for me to go to all of them. Yeah, just but, running around the city dipping in for a minute or two. <laughs> but we have, um, I have a you know I have a good team at Allied Press that are gonna you know help and be there and lots of volunteer uh, requests coming in to help um, at some of the bigger events. So.
1: And Sam, can you tell us obviously when the festival's running to and from and also where you can get
3: tickets? Yeah, so it's May the 10th um, to the 28th. I don't know why we start on a Thursday night, but it's you know. There's four events and they're all sold out, so maybe it works. Uh, LeedsIndiefood.co.uk for all tickets. Um, but I'd suggest getting quick because it, it will all sell out, which is a good thing. <laughs> Fantastic. Good luck with the festival as well. Thank you very much.
1: Yes, yeah, so that was Simon Fogel giving us everything we need to know about Leeds Indie Food coming this week. Um, Sam, what are you going to go to at the festival? What are you looking forward to?
0: Well, the second you said Prashad, my ears sort of pricked up a bit. Um, for those of you who might not have been, because the thing is Prashad... Well, it's 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 very much on the Leeds Bradford border. It's not far from where my family live, mm. um, so I know it, and I've got friends that way that are just obsessed with it. And if you um, love bundabust, obviously you've got that brilliant Indian street food, vegetarian as well, prashads like the fancy version. So if you don't, you know, if you're looking for something more of a sit down Indian meal, um, then yeah, you should definitely try it. In terms of getting there. There's a bus straight from the city centre that'll take you up Prashad Way. Um but it comes highly recommended. So I think the collab with, with Bundabus and what they're doing will definitely be interesting. Um really like the sound of the event in the woods as well. Yeah. They find out by email the day before and follow <laughs> a path. It's all very Hansel and gretel. Hopefully you don't end up, you know, being eaten at the end.
1: But um, And I think that's the thing, isn't it as well, a little bit? It's not just oh, this restaurant's serving this food or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. a little bit different. It's a little bit Absolutely. outside the box, isn't it, I guess? It's,
0: it's not just, oh, we're putting a set menu on and we'll give you a glass of Prosecco. You yeah. know what I mean? Anybody can do that. I think the the creativity that comes from it is fantastic.
1: And I think it was interesting speaking to Simon and seeing that this year he's effectively taken it on himself. I mean, obviously he's got a good team working underneath him, mm-hmm. but obviously he's sort of leading it this time around. I think you could tell that He's obviously really, really excited about it. And also, that little bit of pressure, obviously. But, I mean, it's going to come great. It's going to go great, obviously.
0: Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, Sam, as well, the festival, we should probably mention, it takes place between Thursday, May 10th, until Monday, May 28th. So there's loads of events going on, obviously. Mm -hmm. And you check the website for that one of the things which I was going to mention, which I thought was quite interesting, was that he mentioned, obviously, the new openings, new closures, I mean, and that brings on quite nicely to maybe to what's coming up next, I guess. Um, Went to see the Foundry, the new restaurant, um, from Matt Healy, who was on Masterchef Professionals. I went down there to go to the opening night and had a chat with Matt about, again, the scene in in Leeds from his point of view, and I guess what he's looking forward to.
4: All in all, it's very exciting. It was, I got quite emotional last night on the friends and family night when my family all turned up. Um, A little bit teary, actually. Um, I did it's weird because <laughs> um, it's a weird owning a restaurant
1: yeah of course Yeah. and what drew you to this, this one in particular
4: um, we were looking for a site in North Leeds um, and the site that we wanted was just way too expensive we would have had to borrow over a million pounds to do it and we, it just wasn't feasible Yeah. Um, and then we just saw this on the market and I've dined here a number of times we know the guys the, the former owners through um, being part of the restaurant scene in Leeds for a long time and it just felt like an ideal fit once we got the plans and the designers in to, to do the uh, refurb it all fit and you can see now it.
1: yeah it was great I was going to say I mean obviously it's really, really it's quite as contrast to how it used to be as well I guess yeah it's
4: completely different what we wanted to do is open it up open it up to so bring a load of natural light in and get rid of that stuffy with no disrespect to the former owners, but like that stuffy sort of old man-y, restaurant-y vibe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, really dated. Really. Well, yeah, not not modern. It wasn't. It wasn't attracting a young clientele. Our average customer was like fifty-five to sixty yeah, years exactly. old. Um, and hopefully, with us taking over, we'll, we'll get a younger clientele. We've got a south-facing. Um, a south facing terrace yeah which is perfect for after work drinks
1: exactly and the you know next week or two when the summer really hits yeah it, totally so.
4: that'd be wicked because we actually open to public on friday do you yeah. know what i mean so we want to encourage that stop going to the cross keys and come to us <laughs> culture
1: <laughs> and it seems as well i mean you mentioned the former owners it seems like from like the press releases and obviously what's been said it seems like a really swift and nice transition as well i guess
4: yeah i mean <laughs> on the surface yeah <laughs> um yeah it was it was, it, was, it was a bit forced wasn't it, With the, the PR, our hand was forced a little bit with the PR, mm. we wanted to sort of hold back, take over quietly yeah, okay. and then make an announcement two weeks before we close, or a week before we close, then close and then build a bit more anticipation. Um, but because they, they were they're outgoing and because they were so loved within the sort of restaurant community it's in Leeds, hard, isn't it, I guess. it was hard to keep that quiet, it was always going to be hard to keep that quiet. Um, so we kind of had to jump a bit early with that. But that's not necessarily a bad thing, because it got, it gave us a chance to get into the building, understand the business, understand how it works, and what have you. Um, and then, and, and obviously, close and do the refurb and, and reopening is the, the new, under the new brand.
1: And talk to me, obviously, you mentioned the, the decor, and it talked about the menu as well. What, what's inspired the menu choices? The menu is pretty much seasonal, what I can
4: get, and, and what's at a good price. Mm. Uh, the, the, the price point is not too dissimilar to the old menu, although the portions if any of the old customers come they might find the portion size is a little bit more a little bit smaller a little bit more refined <laughs> sorry um, so the, yeah, the menu's small uh, we have a snack section snacks with charcuterie I've um, got a lot of Spanish influence stuff on there just from that's kind of what I specialised in when properly got into cooking yeah, yeah. um, Spanish food so we've got some lovely charcuterie on there um, and then we've got small plates or starters if you like because um, what I want to do is I want to encourage that informal dining so if you do come down for a bottle of wine after work or whatever you don't just you don't feel I don't want you to feel like it's just a restaurant yeah, yeah I to get feel a meal you like, can
1: maybe get some snacks maybe yeah or, or
4: come for a drink and then I oh, actually we ended up staying there for a couple of hours and it was amazing we yeah. had loads of food thrown at us do you know what I mean yeah, and, yeah. and that's, that's where I want to go with the menu is the, there's, there's char- snacks charcuterie smaller plates and bigger plates mm. and I want to encourage you know if you come down on your own and have a glass of wine just have a a, a plate of the Berico shoulder that we've got which is absolutely delicious sliced to order Mm. Um, but then also you know contradicting that a little bit is if somebody wants to come down and have three courses then that's absolutely fine as well I I don't want to I don't want to alienate anybody Mm. which is kind of what it seemed as what happened before because there was no after work culture between Mm. the hours of two and six it was firmly shut and we're open twelve to close Tuesday to Saturday
1: and as I say, it's a great location, isn't it? With obviously all the football potentially around here as well.
4: Yeah, it's, it, it's a prime location, especially with all the stuff that's happening in the South Bank. Mm-hmm. There's 3,500 people that work
1: in and around Marshall's Mill. Ideal for you then, isn't and it? We can capture 10% of that weekly, we'll I'd be happy. Yeah, exactly. And just obviously looking behind me, the uh, food to swear by. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice addition to the air deco as well. Yeah, it was a
4: bit of a tongue in cheek that with the designers. So they came up with, because chefs notoriously have bad language, and I am no exception to that rule.
3: <laughs> as Juliet <laughs> will tell you. <laughs>
4: I think I dropped the C bomb in our first meeting, <laughs> um, and um, they, 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 the designers sort of took that and kind of ran with it and came up with like a definition yes. on the yeah. office door. Um, and the, 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 the Matt Healy at the Foundry, food to swear by. Is, I think it's really cool because it's just good, honest food. No more than five
1: or six ingredients to any dish. Mm and I fucking swear a lot. <laughs> 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 and what's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> um, and I guess just finally as well, you mentioned the family night and the friends night obviously last night. How do you think you'll feel tonight when obviously, oh I guess Friday's well for the big one, how do you think you'll feel on Friday when everyone's here and sort the most important one's tonight,
4: it's the it's press, well, yeah. journalists and, and the like. Um, I think when we're open when, when to the public, I'll, I'll, I'll settle in a little bit more, mm. I think. While we're doing these events, and get a bit edgy a bit of bit, pressure yeah, yeah yeah a little bit of pressure it's not a bad thing though because I like to be out in my comfort zone and I like to get nervous because I think when you're nervous it shows that you care yeah of course um, I think care more now more than ever because it's my own money isn't it <laughs> um, I'm trying to pass it on to the guys in a in a non-aggressive manner <laughs> but you know the, the, the team that are around I me, mean, old 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 friends like Tom um, with a wealth of experience oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, with a wealth of experience did you go through the wrong tablet? No. So, Tom and I have known each other for about 15 years. We worked together back in the day, and it's friends like Tom that I've just not even called in favours, he's just helping me out. So, yeah. the team that I've got and the team that
1: we've built front and back of house are real credit to the business. So, that was Matt Healy there, who's just reopened the foundry. And we do apologise for a little bit of bad language, there was a little bit you might have noticed. <laughs> but, Sam, that brings on quite nicely to what is in there and who he's worked with in the past.
0: Yeah, yeah, like he's in the artwork in the restaurant has food to swear by. I think he's well aware that he'll uh, drop the odd swear word. And he's also been on the F word with Gordon Ramsay, which is huge. And frankly, if you don't pick up something from Gordon Ramsay working in the kitchen in terms of your language, I'd be very surprised. Exactly. Um, It was interesting what you said about getting people uh, to leave the cross keys and go to him after work. I mean, shots fired. You're checking on the cross keys. Careful now. <laughs> uh, no, the cross keys is lovely. And I think... Um, the more that sort of part of Leeds, because obviously you've got the, um, you've got a few good pubs around there. You've got the Northern Wool Brewery as mm. well, which isn't far at all um, from the Foundry, and then obviously now the Foundry as well. So uh, especially with the new en- like back entrance on the train station, that sort of part by the, by Granary Wharf is getting better and better. So having another venue to go to. Um, I like, I like. the informality of it. You know, it's, go in, a couple of drinks, order a few small plates, try mm. bits of things. Because that's one thing that I think's really nice with a lot of what modern restaurants are doing, particularly with the whole small plate menus. It might sound a bit. People like, oh, it's just a starter. Well, mm. no, it's an opportunity actually to go. Do you know what we want? sit and do a traditional three-course dinner, we'll order a load of small pets and we'll try things and we'll, we'll experiment a bit. So yeah, sounds very good. I will be definitely popping in as soon as I can.
1: And I had the luxury of going to the press night it very was good. It, it was last week. He he was very welcoming. He he treated us all to prosecco and wine, which oh, was nice. But very nice. But obviously the food as well. We had a we had a, yeah we had a free course sitting. We had obviously some starters and then it, I, my for my main it was a chicken Kiev, which was very lovely. Mm-hmm. And then actually I think my highlight was the uh, sticky toffee pudding. Oh my god!
0: It, you're making me hungry now.
1: It, it was so rich. It was it was it was lovely. And you know what actually the reason why I knew I really liked it is because I'm not that big of a fan of sticky toffee pudding to be honest. Yeah. And I, I sort of took the first scoop and I was like, oh, I really want this, for this last forever, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and a bit of ice cream on the side, it was great. And it was a really nice vibe in there. I mean, obviously it was a press launch, so it's not quite exactly the same as when you're going to go there as a customer. But no. it was obviously, it was full and the music was quite nice and the staff were really helpful and friendly and attentive. And it just seemed like a really, I think it's going to be a good place to go in the summer. I think, I mean, Matt said he's into it. I think it's that idea that he wants it to be, a destination rather than maybe we're going for food there. I mean I don't, I don't think in some respects it's too fussed about you coming there and having like as you mentioned a, ago, thing, a big not. dining experience I yeah, think it's more yeah. maybe I think he says it doesn't if it's more <laughs> going for a couple of drinks maybe after work on a Thursday, yeah. Friday or something hope for the sun's out and maybe just getting a few snacks and just. Yeah. I, and you've
0: got a lot of big offices around there as well yeah. like, in terms of people going for after work beers you've got a lot of big companies around there Bridgewater Place it's like a stone throw up the road yeah
1: the football oh the it's potential's it's there definitely there, yeah we wish you all the best, obviously. I'm sure it's going to be a great success. Yeah. And given we've got this slight like, theme of swearing at the minute, um, we should probably flag up before the next interview. And <laughs> It's our final feature of this week's edition. Basically, I went to see Blossoms, the, the stock bought band, who, uh, the indie band who basically got on the one album last, about two years ago, yeah. and they're the back with their new one.
0: The album of the week on BBC Radio 2, Exa- I found out yesterday. Exactly, so yeah.
1: The, it's their new album, Cool Like You. I and mean, Basically, it's a really nice thing they've done. They went to Rudinelle, and they basically anyone who had pre-ordered the album, I think through Crash Records, had this opportunity to go to a free gig at uh, the Brudenell, which, which they did as a thank you, which I thought was a really nice thing. And basically, there's a demand because you know they're quite they quite of the moment, I guess as well. They're
0: trendy, yeah, I think yeah, trendy, yes. Them, yeah.
1: And um, and and they've got a big fan base and a big fan base in Leeds, clearly. So what they did was, yeah. Leeds, it, was it was on a Monday night, and they basically. Um, said we're going to do this gig and then actually it, it's you know sold out in inverted commas obviously it's free very quickly the man was there so they did another show on the same night so basically there was one at 7 and then one at about 9 Brilliant and yeah I got to go down there and catch up with them um, a few minutes before the show and it's really nice they're really chilled out they're really I've interviewed them a few times because I interviewed them when I worked in Bristol when they were just starting out and that was about two years ago, and you sort of knew at the time there was a song, that Charlemagne, which you knew was quite catchy and quite... Mm-hmm. You, you knew it had the hook to it, and you knew that that was going to propel them. And it was quite interesting to see where they've come from, like, there, and I've interviewed them a few times along the way for various reasons, at festivals and events and stuff, and they seem the same sort of five mates, and that's really nice.
0: Yeah, I think I've had a sneak preview of your interview with them, and I think they just seem like, like I say, just mates chatting in a pub. There's no there's no eyes and graces there. They've not suddenly become, you know... Pop, you know, indie divas. No. they're completely cool guys.
1: And I think one of the things as well, like the insider thing from like a journalist perspective, when you interview someone, it, it's fine interviewing maybe one or two people, but when you're going to interview a band or you know in this case a band, obviously a big group of people, it's difficult because yeah. pandemonium. You, you try and you, tr- you try your very best to sit in the right place that you get them all involved, in, especially with audio. It's very hard with audio, but anyway, like you just. As you'll hear, it's just, everyone's chipping their front. around, but it's quite nice, it's quite informal, and, and they are having, they just had their tea delivered before they gig, they are having a Five Guys, so it's quite, nice. it's quite sort of like, they're like offering me a beer as well, it's quite, it's quite very relaxed anyway.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, um, so, this is Blossoms, ahead of their gig at the Brudenell. Been a busy week for you guys, obviously the album, out. how are you feeling about all that? Yeah,
5: going great, do you know what I mean? We're proud of the album we've made, everyone's seen, all the fans are loving it, and it's the top five of the charts so you can for much more than that yeah
1: exactly I mean yeah. I think the first time I interviewed you guys was about maybe two years ago when I was working in Bristol you guys like just going there for first second time mm-hmm. I mean it's been quite a sort of two years turn for you guys I guess it's been fucking weird honestly. It? yeah it just keeps going up and long it continues I, I mean we worked hard a
5: bit though we've yeah, done, yeah, a lot yeah, of, really. done a lot of yeah, shows yeah. and gone to every corner like even today we were at Live Launch yeah, down yeah like so I was going to say yeah. but
1: I think it's nice that like like so much before like then where we are at the moment, like for a band to be doing that, do you know what I mean? It's pretty mad. Do you know what I mean? When you look at all the other bands who are
5: sort of going about and what they're doing, it's seems to, to be like not to, me, not to be not to be big anybody. No, it's like because exactly like, of the state of music and shit. Yeah, like, yeah. It's hard in it for bands. Cafe,
1: catfish is the only other band that I can think of that are on that sort of. Like they're obviously bigger, but do you know what I mean? That sort of. Synth- They've done it, haven't they? Through, yeah. Yeah. And around the globe as well. And I think the thing is like, just walking in now the massive out there and yeah. you are playing in Leeds what next week as well It yeah. shows the interest in the fandom I guess. Yeah so I've like. got
5: two of these. So people like because it's an intimate venue yeah, straight yeah. enough for us now this is intimate. See the sweat thing. on our foot. So I think fans like to see things stripped back and if I was a fan of us and we did say one of my favourite bands did something like this I don't
1: know, Yeah exactly it's a bit different it's, it's different yeah. to seeing you like, on the main stage at a festival, like yeah, obviously like Leeds last year. More know, so. Yeah. Which
5: is we like both sides of
1: and I was going to mention Leeds and obviously being in Leeds now. Um, not that like this year, but is next year something you're looking definitely at? Hope. Yeah,
5: definitely, hope so, yeah, because we did it three years on the run. Mm. So, we can't, you, know, you need to have a little bit of a breather and then maybe come back and headline one of the stages, man, you know, maybe the NME stage next year. That's what I'd like to do. Yeah, <coughs> definitely.
1: Yeah. I mean, being on the main stage last year and obviously <coughs> underneath Liam yeah, Gallagher yeah, as well. Great. I mean, for someone who's obviously from Stockport, Manchester, where I mean, yeah. what an amazing thing for you guys.
5: Great moment, John, you know I mean? again. One of many, which is strange for us to be able to say. We got like, sporting the world at Wembley, squat all we know, and being on Leo, on the main stage. It was sporting the image, uh, a great, great moment. We all went there as kids. You know, well, some of us went as like teenagers to that festival. so to see your name in its actual font. It it's doing so? You know, we got our name in the font. So, well, yeah, like, exa- oh, exactly. Exactly. It. It. I don't, don't get it. that. We got we got the fun, and we
1: didn't that's an achievement up, in itself, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and and I guess as well, obviously being from North Westway, obviously City fans some as well, like being yeah. with Noel and Liam and obviously Pep Guardiola, you met him as well, I mean what was that like? Fucking what? At so yeah. the time we were a bit more sarshal by, by Noel. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. But yeah. actually we never met Noel, now I'd be more sarshal with Pep. Yeah. like, come like, on Noel,
5: we'll get Pep <laughs> down. Yeah. What,
1: what was he like? What was Pep like?
5: Pep was just cool as fuck. The coolest people I've ever met. Just for peri- like, you said that as well, you did. Yeah. It was cool, didn't it? I
1: can't explain it. Do you know when you just like someone walks in a room mm.
5: and everyone
0: automatically just looks at him?
5: You've got the cash walk and the cash smell <laughs> and, the, and the glow, you know, the like health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glow. yeah, yeah. He he in C- Mantis, the Catalan though. glow, I guess, well. So he lives
0: in Manchester, but he still has this,
5: like, glow. Multi millionaire
1: sex, though. He's one of the people,
5: you know, who can rep a there as well. Yeah, true, very good. Jason Steen, as well, he can rep a there. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's, it's just. It's not easy to pull on. Yeah, he just cool, yeah, he's yeah. very cool,
3: and guys, then yeah. obviously just had to sat next to We don't do football finals we? Just sat next we to the thing. Right. <laughs> no. Sat next, to, no. <laughs> <laughs> sat next
2: just to Noel Gallagher as well. Enjoying
1: the <laughs> he's already dead cool. Yeah. Catch two, two cool people. Really catch And obviously you mentioned here in an intimate venue, and then you are back here in, what, four or five days, time to do the O2. And then you've got the festival season. How are you feeling about that as well? Which it amazing. it Marvellous. Nice to be busy again. We had
5: a lot of time off from like September till February this year, so... This feels normal again now, mm-hmm. you know, being fucking
1: in there and everywhere. Which is what it was. There's only so many photos that come out from my dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I saw obviously your Twitter accounts the last couple of weeks and the month or two before, and obviously when you first came back, you had the that was Twitter yeah, video was leaked. Spat. Yeah, I mean, how did you find that with the reaction of the fans? Did people believe it? Did they not believe it? Did I've more believed it than we really expect. We had a couple of I days when, dry, when I first saw yeah, it, I, was, I believed it. it, it, it,
5: it <laughs> Tom and Josh were proper worried. I, I thought he was aware. The thing is, we knew we had this box documentary, yeah, fake thing where we filmed it all, and it was all really over the top, so people would know once you see Miles. Yeah, body. yeah, yeah. But we wanted to generate a buzz before that, so we did that spark. yeah, and then people fucking started believing it. So we were a bit like, oh, what have we done? But we never wanted to pull the one on anyone's eyes. We always wanted to generate the buzz, but it worked. I mean, everyone mm. started talking. We were trending.
1: Well, it was true because I saw the video and like I was sort of like when I first started I was half watching I was like oh god like as a journalist doing something like that I thought how oh, bad for you guys and then I realised obviously you guys, was yeah, it? Oh, yeah
5: yeah so I filmed that video <laughs> really, like, where a journalist is like being
1: sneaky yeah yeah and what's um, in terms of obviously for yourself this week then are you just looking forward to getting on the road now take so it as well like properly yeah. obviously
5: that's it. Light at the end of the tunnel, sport, that's why you do all these in stores, and yeah, yeah. it's kind of like everyone, roll the album yeah. Yeah. And then we can take it on the road with a proper show, and mm-hmm. have got a new lighting show which we then teased with. Just stepped it and up another lens, do you know what I mean? It'd be nice to so many songs played it up Yeah, exactly.
1: I think to be fair, when I edited you previously, and I think I have said to what you're going to play tonight, it's basically for the first album, isn't it? Maybe a cover or two. I guess now you can. Are you going to still do covers maybe every now and then, or are you yeah. going to move away? Or I yeah, know.
5: Every now and then, if we've got stuff, we really.
1: like That's mainly for us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Chuck it into something yeah. different. Yeah. Because obviously, before the first album, we're still doing loads of them tunes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Before that album came out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas this one, it, I think we'll be a bit more like. We'd be more fresh. have never
5: played them songs live. There's a lot more upbeat this album. The mm-hmm. we made it more upbeat. So the live show got up another level. So hopefully they don't all stand there and scratch, right?
1: <laughs> I was just saying with the covers as well. The uh, the live landscape was great as well. And getting Rowetta in as well must have been pretty cool yeah. for you guys. Nice yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. To of the
1: Manchester How did that come about? Was it just when you worked on? Or well,
5: we met Rowetta a few times just drinking in Manchester and like parties and stuff, and then we um, chose to do the killers, the man mm. and um, when they on the record they have a lot of like kind of backing singers belting it out so we were like who can we get who you know and um, Charlie remembers we you know Robert <laughs> and then she was well up for it so she came down oh, awesome
1: she? that's cool and um, I guess just finally wrapping up as well because I'm really busy obviously the show um, what's your message for the fans coming down tonight and obviously next week you've got the 0-2 as well
5: thanks for sticking by us and keeping the faith and people to watch us and and enjoy the
1: record. Yes, so that was Blossoms who played the Brood and Nell uh, last week. And actually they followed that gig with a show at the Auto Academy because we'll have published by the time um, that's happened. But yes, they were at the 0 Auto Academy. I think, Sam, that's really interesting that they came to this to do two free shows mm-hmm. ahead of actually doing a show which was sold out anyway so it wasn't like they needed to do it
0: yeah I really like the way they involve Crash as well um, because anybody that lives in this know it's such a sort of bastion mm. of the music scene here for ticket sales I mean god I used to buy gig tickets from Crash as, you know when I was younger um, when I was younger I'm not like 40 I <laughs> <laughs> when I was a teenager um, so yeah I think the fact that they've, they've looked up with Crash and then Broodnell is such a brilliant venue my first
1: visit as well yeah Great. oh
0: um, I, I mean, I don't. I've seen music there, even aside mm. from the music there, like it's a really nice pub. They've just refurbed a lot of it. The beers are usually really good on tap. Um, so, yeah, Quite the cheap fact that they Definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lovely hangout and it's very popular with students, as you can imagine. So, I think it's nice that they've involved Crash and then they've gone out to not a lesser known venue, everybody knows a group mm. but it's not your obvious city centre city venue. Do you know well, what I mean? Well,
1: they said the same. They, I think in the interview they say, you know, for them, that was an intimate venue for them and, that, oh, and it's, yeah. it's, it's, weird, but it's weird I might have changed from a little bit because you know they have used to played at bigger places now yeah. but they love this stuff and they like the idea of going back to somewhere maybe they've played in the past and maybe on the way up and it's quite nice to sort of go back and give something back I guess is Yeah it,
0: definitely I think it's just it, it feels like a proper like a local gig yeah. doesn't it you know what I mean you don't have the moment of the same fancy ringing although the stage and the, the area that they do the music in it broods really good oh it's but great and,
1: and the really good thing about what I felt for the first time going was that I felt that wherever you stood you were going to be fine really know? good
0: vantage point yeah, yeah. I saw Matt Berry and the Maples there a few years back now and yeah you're right no matter where you are you get a really good view the sound's really good as well and it does have that intimacy to it you do feel like you're at something a bit special because like you say it's not you know, I, I, I love arena gigs and they're great, but I think sometimes you can't beat just a small sort of sweaty room and, and yeah. people just packed to the rafters.
1: Exactly, and on Monday, as you would imagine, I mean, it was filled with fans because obviously they'd all bought the album. And, and the one thing that was quite interesting was I've, I'd have i heard a few songs... I've, I've got their first album, I haven't actually got the second one yet, but I'd heard a few songs off it, and I sort of, from here on the radio and listened to one or two on YouTube or whatever, like, I'd... Um, I knew through the worst of the songs, but looking around me, it shows the fandom there as well because these people, I was looking around, like they played about seven or eight songs off the new album, then one or two off the old, just as like a sort of a smaller compact gig, I guess. And it was funny looking around them, and you could tell the fandom there because people were just singing in the worst of all these new songs as well, and that was great for them, you know what I mean? Because you released the album on Friday, by Monday, your fans know every word of the songs. Yeah,
0: because they've just been listening to it on repeat.
1: Exactly, and I think I couldn't let this interview go before we finished without mentioning one thing. Um, as you probably heard in there, Oh, well, basically, I should probably qualify. I, if you didn't know, I'm from Manchester. It's probably relatively obvious, but um,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. I do like Leeds, so it's fine. But um, yeah, I'm a quite a big Man City fan, and I've yeah listened to Blossoms. Obviously, speaking to Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher, that's great, obviously. But that like, they have spoken to and met Pep Guardiola, who's just won the title for Manchester City, that's quite special. And <laughs> it was that weird theme You're because fangirling
0: a little bit. A little bit. It was that, I and
1: mean, he's quite cool too. It was that little thing where. I was I, I, obviously like oh the album's great and how's everything going but like, what, what's Pep like though yeah. what's this guy though like? what's he like is he, is he that mythical um, <laughs> uh, but it was great because one or two of the band members I've, as you hear in the interview one or two of my city fans and they were probably the same sort of fangirly a little bit oh, as well yeah. but then it was quite funny because the, um, I can't remember as I sat next to it, but one of the guys I was sat next to he was just having like a mug of tea and the other guy across from him on the other side who wasn't actually a music, a, a football fan either was just a bit like oh what are they talking about and like <laughs> went, the guy next went oh Pepe and Oya will sit out for this bit and it was just quite funny it's like, that
0: wasn't me as well to be fair it's all a little bit over my head and
1: he just sort of turned to me and went I don't really know which about football so it's fine uh, so I, <laughs> I just carried on with Tom the lead singer and the drummer and it was, it was good <laughs> but yes uh, that probably draws us to a close for this week's edition of the Best in These podcast uh, thank you yet again for listening um, I've been Craig. And you some
0: <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need to get like a sign off jingle going we'll think about it this week
1: <laughs> yeah well if anyone wants to uh, supply a jingle you're more than welcome to... oh
0: yeah definitely if you're a local band you want to make us our lovely best in leads podcast jingle please get in touch we'd love to hear it
1: yes exactly and until next time we bid you farewell
0: bye 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 was good I
1: think
0: there's